Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, March 15th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, I want to start off talking about kind of the meteoric rise of Ryan Day. Um, it's almost like we, we all know it's happened, but I don't, I don't think it gets talked about enough, um, especially when you look at when Ryan Day was hired, when he came to Ohio State in January of 2017. So just basically, you know, two years and two months ago, Everyone, myself included, certainly, I felt like I was leading the Kevin Wilson bandwagon, was sitting here saying, like, Kevin Wilson is, is the offensive guru. This is going to be huge for Ohio State. And, yeah, this co-offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach, Ryan Day, he looks like he's got a pretty good resume. He could be a coach on the rise. But, man, I don't think anybody saw this coming. I just – as you take a step back and look at how fast everything's happened with Ryan Day, um, become – you know, he's become such a – um, I don't want to say he's a star yet. Let's let's let him coach a full season. But man, it's been a meteoric rise for Ryan Day. I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, he's he's really um, elevated his name profile nationally. I know ESPN uh, Lewis Riddick uh, has really studied Ohio State's offense, and he said a lot of the concepts and a lot of the things that Ohio State is doing offensively a lot of NFL teams should be knocking on Ryan Day's door just to kind of understand what they're actually doing because the offense that Ohio State is running now under the leadership of Ryan Day is is what you're starting to see a lot of offenses trend to. When it comes to Day, I believe Ohio State is looking at him in the mode of a Sean McVay or uh, the Oklahoma coach there. Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley, he's a young up-and-coming coach. He's very innovative. He can get the most out of his quarterback, but at the same time, he has a uh, an engaging personality that a lot of players and parents can relate to. Um, he's well-liked within the facility, within the community, and, and the university. So it doesn't surprise me that his name is really uh, taken off. Obviously, as you mentioned, he needs to coach a full season to really see what we got. The, the team really responded well those three games when he was the intern head coach. But I think Ohio State really looks at him as an off, offensive savant. They, they could not let him walk out the door because he could have had other coaching jobs. And, and you mentioned his meteoric rise. Think about this. He was the head co- He was the, uh, the head offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Ohio State for one season, and he was already being offered um, SEC jobs. He was offered a Mississippi State job. Mike Vrabel wanted him to become the offensive coordinator at Tennessee so that they can run his offense with Marcus Mariota down there in the NFL. So not only did Ohio State see the potential in him, but many other uh, high-profile programs and NFL teams saw him uh, UCLA, Chip Kelly wanted him to come out there and run his offense on the West Coast. So he had uh, a bevy of options, but I'm glad he's at Ohio State because I'm I'm very interested to see what he can do. And I think that as long as he can recruit at a high level, he has all the talent and the resources and the innovative offense to really succeed. 
Yeah, the proof will be in the pudding, um, but we just got to analyze it as the information is presented to us. As I sit here and analyze everything I've seen from Ryan Day from the time he's been here as an assistant coach to his, you know, very, uh, you know, few weeks here as the permanent head coach before he's even coached a game as the permanent head coach. I've been very, very impressed with him. I am fully on board with team Ryan Day and everything he's doing. And what's cool, I mentioned Kevin Wilson. Um, Kevin Wilson's still here, and and those guys get along well. Like I remember being out, and I've seen this at other places, but it stood out to me at the Rose Bowl out there. Uh, we got to see a couple practices out there, and both days, Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day were walking in together. And certain coaches, you could tell, get along, and certain coaches don't get along. Certain coaches, maybe it's indifferent, but you could tell Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson get along. And I give Kevin Wilson credit; he didn't like ever. Maybe, maybe internally there's a little bit of that. He, he's not upset that this young whippersnapper's coming up and he's the one that jumped over him on the totem pole. Uh, Kevin Wilson is still around to add his expertise. It kind of is the best of both worlds for Ohio State when you have that, as you mentioned, kind of the, the young rising star, much in the Lincoln Riley mold and some of the other guys, Sean McVay, hopefully. Um, and, but you still have that grizzled veteran and uh, Kevin Wilson around. Yeah, and, and if you look at it, Ohio State is paying Kevin Wilson extremely well to be a co-coordinator. Um, obviously, Ohio State took a, a, a risk uh, when it comes to PR, hiring him considering um, he was fired from Indiana for the so-called uh, abuse scandal or whatnot. And technically, technically, he resigned, technically, he resigned and got a buyout, but, but, but you're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. And, and, Ohio, and Ohio State, you know, they, they said that they vetted the whole situation and they were comfortable with the, res, with the results. And that, you know, bringing Wilson on to Ohio State really uh, put him back in uh, a co-captain's type of chair and they're paying him extremely well. I know uh, Tim May said he had the opportunity to sit in on an offensive meeting just to kind of be a, a fly on the wall just to see how things operate. Urban had invited him in. And Tim May had mentioned that uh, Kevin Wilson is heavily, heavily evolved, and he is a very strong voice in that offensive meeting staff um, when it comes to how they want to operate, the things that they want to do for that particular week as far as the game plan. So Kevin Wilson, he, he has a pretty nice situation. He doesn't have the pressure of being the head coach. He's out of the spotlight. He'll talk to the media, media occasionally once his turn comes up. Uh, he's very involved. When it, come, when it comes to the day-to-day decision-making as far as plays and offense and personnel, things of that nature. So it's a great job to have. And, and with him being a, a veteran there, he you know kind of defers a, a lot of the, the, the political things as far as the backdrop of being a head coach to the Ryan Day. And as you mentioned, he took it in stride. But I think this allows Kevin Wilson to do what he really loves to do, which is coach football, be a football coach, and not have to worry about all of the other things that comes with being uh, a head coach. All right, Jay Book, two practices in. I know, big sample size here. Um, your thoughts so far on Justin Fields and Matthew Baldwin. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? Just your thoughts on what Buckeye fans really want to know about the most, the quarterbacks. I mean, I, I would say the most important thing is you have to be uh, very excited about uh, both guys here. I, I believe either one of those guys could win at Ohio State at a high level. Obviously, Justin Fields getting the lion's share of the first team reps, but with the media being able to see some of the open practices, 
A lot of people uh, felt that Matthew Baldwin outperformed Justin Fields for that first hour at the last practice. And a lot of people said when it comes to the accuracy, um, obviously uh, Matthew Baldwin was really delivering and Justin Fields was kind of off. I expect that from Fields early on. He has to get used to his teammates and the offense and the plays and the, how they want to operate. Obviously, they, they've only had two practices, but you have to be very happy about uh, where the quarterback competition is going. And then you look at the guys coming in with Jack Miller, that quarterback room is going to be stacked. So I'm not worried about uh, the depth there. I just think that I want it to be an open battle. By the let the best man win. Obviously, Justin Fields is going to get the first dibs, but I think Matthew Baldwin is going to give him a run for his money this spring and fall. As for the guys, the quarterbacks are throwing the ball to this wide receiving core. I mean, it, it's a it's a, it looks like it could be a really good group, and you know, and that's saying a lot when you're losing Paris Campbell, you're losing uh, Johnny Dixon, you're losing Terry McLaurin, especially. A Campbell and McLaurin are going to be relatively early picks in the NFL draft. Campbell's probably going to be a late first-round pick. McLaurin could be a second or third-round pick, probably third round, fourth at the worst, I would think, uh, probably third round for McLaurin. Dixon could get drafted. The only thing that would prevent that would be history of knee problems. So you lose those three talented guys, Jay Book, but you bring back four seniors and K.J. Hill. I'm thrilled K.J. Hill's back. C.J. Saunders, who didn't play as much as I thought he would last year, had some injuries. I think he's going to be more involved as a fifth-year senior. And you got the true seniors in Austin Mack and, and Ben Victor. I still think of those guys as young guys. I can't believe they're seniors. And Austin Mack's running around there this spring looking good. You got some young guys. Uh, Jalen Harris, he's a junior. So he's still like inexperienced, though. Chris Olave, and then, of course, uh, five-star Garrett Wilson. And there's some others, Elijah Gardner, Blue Smith, and some other guys in there. But uh, just your thoughts on this wide receiving core under Brian Hartline going into 2019. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of Brian Hartline and what he's able to do with that wide receiver core. Not only is he a heck of a coach when it comes to motivating his guys, but he does a tremendous job when it comes to developing their route running as well as their techniques. So I think that you're going to have another outstanding year from his group. I know in the boarding house uh, this past week, they had on there that a lot of people believe that career. Chris Olave is Terry Glenn Light out there. He looks that good. He was the, the third lowest rated player in that 2018 recruiting class, and he's turned out to look like he, he's going to be a potential gym. They're saying with his game, it, he just continues to improve. He's really building off that tremendous run that he had at the end of last season. So you have to pencil him as a potential starter. You look at K.J. Hill. K.J. Hill has a shot to be – the all-time leading reception leader at Ohio State, depending on how this year turns out. So that's a guy that's going to bring tremendous experience to that wide receiver room. And then you miss, mentioned Austin Mack. Uh, I think Austin Mack was also poised to have an outstanding year uh, as well. I think he just needs to stay healthy. He needs to be consistent. But the talent is obviously there. Ben Victor, he's shown that he has the ability to make big plays. It, it, it can't be understated how big that play was that he had against Penn State that really opened it up. Um, and the thing with Ben Victor is they just have to figure out how to get him involved early on. He's a he's a he's a rhythm shooter type guy. If you can get him uh, dialed in early on, 
the guy can really elevate his game. So I'm bullish on him. Obviously, Jalen Gill's in the mix. I think he's going to be one that's going to put the fans on their feet come Saturday. So you have, if you look at them as a group, yeah, they're young in certain areas. They do have some experience uh, with Mac and Victor and KJ. But overall, I think they're going to have a heck of a season. I don't know if they're going to be able to churn out the production that the last year's group, you don't need that group to really churn out that type of production. They just need to play at a high level. And if they can do that, I believe this offense is going to be extremely potent. I'm glad you brought up Jalen Gill. That's a guy that I omitted. Yeah, he's going to be heavily involved, I think, as a redshirt freshman as well. Good point, Jay Book. He's going to be at least the backup H-back, and they're going to be rotating him in there a lot. So Jalen Gill can be, uh, you know, not I don't even want to call him a secret weapon, uh, just a weapon for the Buckeyes this year. Um, and as for Chris Olave, yeah, I think Michigan fans would probably agree that Chris Olave is definitely a, a superstar in the, in the waiting here. Um, hey, let's finish the show talking about some basketball. Uh, March Madness is upon us. The Buckeyes made it a little interesting at the end uh, yesterday in the, the second round of the Big Ten tournament, but they beat Indiana again. They beat Indiana in Bloomington, the only regular season meeting. They beat Indiana again yesterday in the Big Ten tournament, 79 to 75. Buckeyes. We're leading by 20 with like seven minutes left. And like an idiot, I put on Twitter, you know, hashtag drive home safely. And then it was like nothing but Indiana, Indiana, Indiana after that. But Ohio State did pull it out. Um, you know, we can see now just how valuable Caleb Wesson is. And I think everybody knew Jay Book that Caleb Wesson was valuable. I, I don't think any – now it's clear just how valuable he is. I think some Ohio State fans didn't realize how valuable he was. But, you know, talk about that a little bit and also – the Buckeyes play later today. Quick turnaround. They play today, play Michigan State, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time on Big Ten Network. Just your thoughts on Caleb Wesson and the basketball Bucks? Yeah, it's two totally different basketball teams when Wesson's out there on the court. You can obviously see uh, the difference that he makes when whenever he's out there. Uh, you saw a different Ohio State team. They had a little bit more bounce to their step against Indiana. Um, obviously, they made it a little too close for comfort there at the end, but they didn't panic. They were still able to uh, knock down their free throws at the very end to, to keep the game within three and four. I know uh, when when they inbound that, that ball there with five seconds and it almost looked like a travel because he fell down, but he was able to get it out. My heart almost stopped right then and there because Indiana had cut it to two. Uh, but obviously, that was a huge win for the basketball team. I think uh, they're going to be able to get into the tournament off that. I know uh, Lenardi said that they were on the bubble. As of last night, he said Ohio State was in, and that was before uh, that Indiana win. So I think Ohio State will get in off that win. Uh, obviously, they're going to be running into a buzzsaw with Michigan State, who's playing some of their best basketball, and they're starting to get healthy. But I, I look at this next game against Michigan State as – Let's just build some momentum heading into uh, the tournament. If you can play extremely well, that's really going to bode well for this basketball team, especially with Caleb Wesson back on the court. Great stuff, as always, from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book, and thank you all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's try the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land.